The story of the Bible is that our fellowship with God, which was lost in the beginning, is being restored through the ministry of Christ. And as Christians, we believe that we can get to know the one true living God through the pages of his word. In today's episode, we're going to be jumping right into Acts chapter 7, because why not? Hi guys, welcome back to the Why Not Podcast with me, Connor JC, and I hope that you are having a wonderful day. If this is your first time tuning in to the Why Not Podcast, hey, my name is Connor JC. This year we're going through the Bible, one book of a time, but from the New Testament. So we started in Matthew and we're finishing in Revelation, which will be around December time. Yeah, so far we've covered the four Gospels and now we are at the Book of Acts. We are, yeah, just kind of going through slowly. Typically every other book I'm releasing some study questions, which I normally put on my Instagram. And yeah, that's that's all you need to know. So if you're wanting to join in, then just jump right in with me. The episodes are streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on Anchor. On Anchor, you can even send me voice messages that I can even include in the podcast episodes if you have any questions. But yeah, I guess that's that's all the housewarming stuff. So let's jump right in to Acts chapter 7. And the high priest said, Are these things so? And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred, and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans, and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, nor even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession, and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others, who would enslave them and afflict them four hundred years. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God, and after that they will come out and worship me in this place. And he gave them the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him, and rescued him out of all of his afflictions, and gave him favour and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt, and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan, in great affliction, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob his father and all his kindred, seventy-five persons in all. And Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers. And they were carried back to Shechem, and laid in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt, until there arose over Egypt another king, who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants, so that they would not be kept alive. At this time Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight, and he was brought up for three months in his father's house, and when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him, and brought him up as her own son. 
And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. When he was forty years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man, and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarrelling, and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbour thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now when forty years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight, and as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt, and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for forty years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel, who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside, and in their hearts they returned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make for us gods who will go before us. As for this, Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, and offered a sacrifice to the idol, and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away and gave them over to worship the hosts of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tent of Moloch, and the star of your god Rephan, the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it, according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers in turn brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David, who found favour in the sight of God, and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob, that it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. 
Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Amen. Man, Stephen's speech gets me every single time. I think it really demonstrates what he's saying all along. He's kind of taking them back through their own history and showing them how it points to Jesus and how, just like in the times of Moses, just like before, they rejected God's authority, God's ruler. And he's saying, you know, that's what you guys have done now. You've done that with Jesus. You did that with with John the Baptist, who was kind of saying Jesus is coming. And I guess his death proves that, yeah, they're doing it once again. I think it's really important, kind of, how he goes back throughout the Old Testament. Because, obviously, they are Jews. And if Jesus wasn't exactly who he said he was then their kind of anger is right. And if Stephen is lying or if Stephen is misinformed, then they kind of have every right to stone him for blasphemy. But the thing is, is that Jesus is exactly who he said he is. But you know, their hardness of hearts, that's a common theme that is throughout all of these stories in the Old Testament and, and now. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. But I guess Stephen is also a great example for us. You know, the Holy Spirit was promised and, you know, it was promised that they'd be able to, you know, have the Holy Spirit when speaking, that the Spirit will be speaking through them. And that's a great sign there. And, you know, some people may think that the Spirit doesn't work in the same way, but I believe that the Spirit does and that the Spirit can. It emboldens us and it allows us to to speak things in conversations with people and I can recount countless conversations where I've just had words that have just come to my head, sentences, I've been saying things that I, I have never really been able to articulate before but in the moment just God was really kind and by his spirit helped me say a lot of things and these were all kind of in terms of evangelistic opportunities and conversations so I think that yeah I don't know, Stephen is just such a great example of the Holy Spirit working through someone. And, I mean, he's just also been named as one of the one of the deacons, so he is kind of a guy full of the Spirit who is godly, trustworthy. And I find it really great how, you know, in the last chapter we're thinking about how pastors and, you know, the head apostles, they needed to focus on prayer and the ministry of the word and they kind of had other people to delegate things to. He was one of the people that had things delegated to. But as we see here, he knew his Bible. He knew the Old Testament. He knew how it all pointed to Jesus. He knew how to speak and he was willing to die for his faith and he did. So I guess that's also just something great to think about when we go about our own lives in whatever church setting that we're in, whatever position that we're in, God can use us. And it's the duty of every Christian to know the Bible. And it's our great pleasure, it's our great reward that has been bought by Jesus that we can come to know who God is through the pages of his word. But anyway, those were my thoughts about Acts chapter 7. 
Join me tomorrow where we jump into Acts chapter 8. Until then, goodbye, God bless, and I'll see you in the next one.